Hey, I'm Jen Tsui. I'm a certified life coach on a mission to guide women in doing the deep inner work necessary to liberate their true selves and create the incredible life they dream of living. This is the Fantastical Life Podcast. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to Creating a Fantastical Life with Jen Tsui. That's me, your host. And today we are on day three of 12 Days of Breakthroughs. And I'm particularly excited about this episode because um, it is the three sneaky ways you're sabotaging your goals and what to do to stop. So I talk a lot about self-sabotage with my clients. Um, It's really like funny or like ironic in a way because um, self-sabotage is like the last thing that you would think you would do to like get in your own way, right? To get to your goals. Like you always anticipate other people or like things happening outside of your control but it's funny because self-sabotage is like the number one reason why we don't reach our goals and the fact that you can on one hand want something so bad for yourself but on the other also sabotage yourself relentlessly is just super ironic um so we're going to dive into how this is happening for you even if you um are not fully aware of it especially um or you don't know or you don't think you you sabotage yourself i'm going to show you three ways where this could be showing up for you as well as giving you the solution to it now i also am going to be bringing up concepts from um kara lowenthal who is a feminist life coach she is awesome um i definitely look up to her as a like master like coach um, she's the host of the Unfuck Your Brain podcast. Highly recommend listening to it as well. I'm all about, you know, uplifting women because empower women empower women. And she's definitely one of those empowering women. So I will be bringing up two of her concepts in this. And if you want to dive deeper into those concepts, um, I would recommend listening to her episodes on those concepts as well. All right, let's dive into it. So number one Uh, of sneaky ways you're sabotaging your goals is waiting for motivation. So Kara talks about motivation as the fuckboy of emotions and I could not agree more. So what I mean when I say like waiting for motivation is always like only taking action from a place of inspiration of like when you feel like doing it. Um, and this can be for one, when you actually have set a goal and are working on doing it, or even two, like waiting to set a goal, right? So you're waiting for this hit of like, oh, I feel super good. And like, because you feel super good, now you can do all these things. And like, now you can believe that you can do it and have the power to do it versus actually, um, learning how to commit to a goal and commit to yourself and then being able to move forward even when you don't feel like it because now it's hard right now you have to build this emotional grit this skill set in order to move forward without um, having to rely on motivation so if you're seeing yourself kind of um, I'm gonna use weight loss as or like going to the gym getting healthy as an example here because I think it's a very easy one to think about So if you're trying to lose weight or gain weight, change your body in any way, um, it's going to require effort. And if you remember from um, episode 31 of how you can be self-aware and not actually create change, I talk about the triad of motivation there. And the triad of motivation being that um, as humans, we are motivated by three things. One, to increase pleasure. Two, to decrease pain. And three, to decrease effort. 
And in order for us to actually get to our goals, we're going to have to do the opposite of all those three things to create change, right? So we're going to have to either increase pain, increase effort, or um, decrease pleasure. And when it comes to something like weight loss or doing anything scary, like it's going to require those three things, like all of those three things, right? Going to the gym, eating healthy, feeling um, restricted, uh, but in like a way that supports you and supports your goals. So if you're always looking for motivation, then you are trying to get to this place where it feels effortless um, in order to reach your goals, right? So if you feel motivated to go to the gym, it's a lot easier, right? So you can take action from the motivation triad of um, decreased effort, right? It doesn't take that much to go. However, when you're not in that phase, which is going to be like 90% of the time that you're doing it or 80% of the time that you're doing it, then you're going to have to find something more lasting. So what is the solution to not feeling motivated all the time and still wanting to do this work, right, um, to change your goals? Well, I alluded to this and it's making a commitment. So there is a difference between being interested in creating change and being interested in like creating a habit or a routine and being committed to it. And being committed to something requires intentional effort and daily practice. It is something that, you know, does not just come to you and you expect it to just stay there forever, um, when you can shift your mindset to a place of doing something because you're motivated to do it and because it's interesting and it's inspiring and it's just fleeting, then you have to learn how to um, take action from commitment, from a feeling that uh, is like confident of um, hope, um, something that will help drive you forward. So you can create the models you know, of your thoughts and your feelings that drive the actions that you want to do. So in this example, like going to the gym, right? If you want to feel motivated, there are thoughts that you can think, right? Like, um, I always feel better after a workout. Like I've never regretted a workout. Those are like the two thoughts that always got me to go work out even when I didn't feel like it, right? Um, I'm committed to this goal. I'm committed to myself. I'm committed to this change. Whatever it is that creates that motivation for you, that feeling of, of, you know, excitement and um, empowerment, that's what you need to practice. So when you don't feel motivated, you your work there is to tap into creating motivation at any point that you want, creating um, change from a place of you're committed to this. So really, there's no way around it, right? It's just you're going to have to allow yourself to feel all the feels, to feel uncomfortable, to like whine and complain, to like want to do the whining and complaining and like boohoo, poor me, I can't do this, like give up on yourself and then not entertain it. Be like, no, thank you, brain. We're not doing this. I don't care how you feel. Like I am committed to this goal and you're not dying. Like I know that this is just you like trying to keep me safe, you trying to um, help me increase pleasure, decrease pain, decrease effort, and I am not willing to do that. I am willing to feel the pain, I'm willing to put in the effort, I'm willing to you know, delay gratification in order to meet my highest self, in order to complete this goal, because I know that the true benefit of doing that is worth more than you know what you're offering me now, which is like temporary gratification or like temporary um, happiness, temporary pleasure, and instant gratification. Okay, so that's the difference. And this is also, I want to point out, this is different from white knuckling it, where you're trying to force yourself to do things um, just to like prove to yourself or to, you know, grin and bear it. It's different because it's um, coming from a place where you're in touch with your 
true self. You're in touch with your intentions and you're coming from a very loving place for yourself, right? Uh, versus when you are like in this hustly white knuckling energy, it's coming from a place of disempowerment where you're doing things because you're trying to prove yourself um, your your self-worth or like in the case of weight loss for example it's the fueling this behavior from like self-hate so you're choosing thoughts that are like oh you need to work out because you're a fat ass and no one's gonna love you so you better get yourself to the gym or like you know you're a failure if you don't do this and you have to do it this way um and then that's what gets you to do it right that is white knuckling it that is not fueling that is not helpful that is different from choosing to build emotional grit in a positive way that actually sustains you and is coming from a place of love and commitment to you know who you want to be and to actually help you and coming from thoughts of like you know um i am committed to this and i want to make this change happen because i believe in myself right i uh want to be able to experience xyz and i am committed to it so number two of sneaky ways that you're sabotaging your goals is perfectionist fantasy and not ever being able to be a 10 out of 10. so perfectionist fantasy is um another term that kara coined um, and then being a 10 out of 10 or like not ever being a 10 out of 10 is something that I've kind of seen with my clients and my own practice over time. When I ask my clients to rate like where they are on a scale of 1 to 10 in different domains of their life. So I take my clients to this thing called a life audit and I ask them about seven different domains of their life. So physical health, mental health, emotional health, um, you know, relationships, occupation, spiritual health and like intelligence or like yeah, like intellectual well-being. So when I ask them to rate themselves on this like one out of 10 scale, never have I ever <laughs> had someone say a 10 out of 10 for like anything. Everyone's like, oh, it's like a nine out of, or it's like a nine out of 10 or a nine to 10 if they're anywhere close to it. Most of the times it's like, you know, a two or a four or like five or six, right? Sometimes you get a seven to eight, but no one's ever like a solid 10 out of 10. There are very few people who will say like they're a 9 out of 10 or like a 9 to 10 out of 10, but no one can commit to that 10. And I started to question why. And what I was seeing is, uh, or like my, my belief on this and kind of what I saw for myself too, is it's like the pain scale when you get hurt and you go to the doctor and they ask you like, where is the pain at at a scale of 1 to 10? And 10 is like the most excruciating pain in your life. So you're like, well, I've never experienced the most excruciating pain in my life, I guess, because how would I know? Like, all I know is my relative experience. So I'll save the 10 and say a nine, right? Or an eight. Um, because what if it was like really, really bad? You know, you just don't know. And because you don't know, like the possibility of what a 10 might feel like, you're always rating yourself less. You're only rating yourself based off of what you've already known and what you've experienced. And the way that that is sneakily sabotaging you in terms of your goals and you know working towards the person that you're trying to become is that you stay stuck in the realm of only knowing what you know right so if you are like a relative to where your mental health has been for your like whole life right now being at a 10 out of 10 might look like just getting out of bed being able to like go outside and like you know hang out with your friends and do like one or two self-care activities a day even if that's just like brushing your teeth and showering and then like making sure that you're eating breakfast that could be your 10 out of 10 right now right and if you are able to see yourself at like that higher range of like 9 to 10 on your scale what it does is then you move forward into the next level of your life 
right? It's like when you've maxed out this scale, now you're able to see what the 11, the 12, the 13 looks like, okay? So maybe if you're at a 7, maybe you can kind of see what an 11 might look like. But because if, if you stay in like a, the realm of like there's only 1 to 10, then that's all you're seeing, right? It's like, oh, well, I guess like everything above a 10 would just be a 10. But how I would like to reframe that is don't save your 10, right? Don't wait for, um, don't wait for something to happen that you don't know is going to happen yet. And then be like, oh no, that now that's a 10. Now I've like reached it. Cause you're never ever going to feel like you've totally reached the end. Cause when you, when you do get to this place where you can say like confidently, like, yes, this is a 10 out of 10, you're going to want something more, right? You're going to, uh, like now be looking at a new goal. And so now you're going to have a new scale, but now that scale is not one to 10 anymore. It's really like an 11 to 20 or like a five to like 15. And now you've just shifted like forward. But when you say in this 10 out of 10, don't think anything will ever be perfect. And you want to just like only save your 10. You're just staying stuck with where you're at, not being enough, not being good enough, not being happy enough, not being content enough. And your low is like the same low. And then your high is the same high. So I'm just asking you to like kind of vary it up a little bit and like broaden your your scope of life, broaden like the emotions that you'll feel, even if it's like the degree of the emotion, right? That's important. That is a bigger scale than just that one out of 10. Now, perfectionist fantasy, as Kara would say, is um, basically this idea of believing that you can be perfect and that there's a perfect way to be and a perfect way to get there. So it's wanting to be perfect and setting your goals up basically for failure, right? You're setting yourself up for failure because your goals um, are set up in a way with logical justifications that are just masks for wanting to be perfect. For example, if you want to lose weight, um, you might say like the reason why you want to lose weight is just because you're more confident when you weigh less, right? And it's healthy to work out four times a week. And maybe you have a money goal and you're like, well, money is freedom, right? So you want to be like, you want to be making a lot of money. And, uh, you know, if you want to build a meditation practice, you can be like, oh, yeah, I just want to be less reactive when I meditate every day. And if you are working on your intellectual well-being, maybe you're like, well, reading is just good for you. And like reading is a is a big habit for you. But if you're not aware of like the baseline subconscious like beliefs that are kind of driving these actions and. Um, you know, when you say the, the justification for why you want this goal, if it doesn't feel like a hundred percent true, if it doesn't feel like the intention is coming from like just love and service to yourself, if it has any inkling of like, eh, yeah, and it's just like a nice benefit that like society would accept you more, or, you know, you can prove to yourself that you're better or whatever, then it's not, um, coming from you. That is just perfectionist fantasy talking. And one example that I can think of right now is that like I have a client who he um, keeps buying books uh, in anticipation to read them and he does read, he does read them, but he keeps buying books like anytime he thinks that like, he doesn't know anything, right? So it's, it's this underlying like belief that we uncovered of knowledge is outside of me. And when I told him this, uh, it was from multiple sessions that we've had and like so many times him saying things like, you know, he doesn't know enough, he doesn't, like, you know, anytime he doesn't know, doesn't think he knows something, he Googles it, watches, like, YouTube videos, does, like, research on it, and, like, reads books, and you could be thinking, like, oh, like, that's a really good habit, you know, you can start to build this, like, resourcefulness of finding out the answer, 
But when you really look into it, it was coming from an energy of like knowledge is outside of me and I am like dumb and I don't know anything and everyone else around me knows more, right? Like I am not smart enough. I am not good enough. I am not intelligent enough. Like I need to figure out how to do things and I need to figure out how to do things perfectly. Like this guy literally wanted to buy a book of like how to read. Yeah, like reading a book about how to read. So that just gives you insight into, okay, like that's an inkling into not trusting that you know how to do things and not trusting your skill level. So this can be used for anything, right? You know, you can have the same goals with different feelings and different thoughts and justifications and reasons why, right? And you'll get completely different results. I say this all the time. And perfectionist fantasy is one of those things that you can have the same goal, but if you keep coming at it from the subconscious belief of like, I want to be perfect, and you keep tricking your brain into saying, no, 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 I just care about my health. No, I just, I just, I just want to kind of like experience this new life. Like, that's it. Like, that's really why. And you know that that's not true, like inherently for you, but you keep lying to yourself to try to make it seem better. You're never going to create a different result, right? You're never actually going to be able to reach that goal. And if you do reach that goal, you're never going to feel that fulfillment and that satisfaction and the peace of mind that you originally like thought that you would be able to have because the subconscious belief of you're not enough, like you're not good enough, that you know this is not meant for you has not actually changed. So how perfectionist fantasy shows up um, is also like having a really big elaborate plan that is very aspirational but not realistic. And I saw this all the time as a personal trainer when people would tell me that they want to finally like prioritize their health, right? And it's so funny because they, they want to lose weight and the way that they kind of uh, frame it is that they want to lose weight because it's healthy and they don't think they're, they're at a healthy weight and their doctor told them that they need to lose weight, right? And their thing is just like, yeah, I just want to be healthier. And so when you ask them, like, okay, well, how many times would you like to come in? Like, how many times would you like to work out a week? They're like, I want to work out four times a week. And it's like, okay, well, that's a big goal. Like, in my head, I'm like, well, that's a big goal. Like, that, if you're going from working out every now and then, like, twice a month maybe, to, like, four times a week, like, let's explore this. So... And I would know that information because I would ask them, you know, what does their exercise history look like and stuff. And so I asked them, um, you know, how long they've, uh, or, like, why they want to do four times a week, like, if they um, are committed to it and stuff. And typically it'll be like, yeah, 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 like, I can definitely fit it in. Like, this is something I really want to do. Uh, and maybe the first week or two weeks go by and then they stop coming in four times a week, right? Then cancellations start happening, things start popping up. Uh, then they want to go down like maybe two times a week and then maybe they actually end up coming like once a week because shit happens and then they kind of stop and then restart. Like this shit happens all the time. And the reason is because you're making decisions from your perfectionist brain that is very aspirational, but again, not realistic. And this is not to say that you can't have big goals and have them be realistic, but it's about understanding where you stand right now and your belief in your ability, right? It only comes down to your thoughts. Whether or not you actually can work out four times a week literally just comes down to your thoughts, right? If you um, are truly committed to doing this and this is like your number one goal, 
and you're not going to let anything else come in the way. It doesn't matter if family drama comes up. doesn't matter if you have a test coming up next, like, next week and you haven't studied at all. doesn't matter if you have an assignment due the next day. You will still make time to go to the gym because that is just how important it is to you. And you truly, truly do, are doing that from a place of you want to do this for you and this is for your health. And um, it's not about being perfect. It's about living your best life. Then that's where I would be like, okay, yeah, I believe you, right? This is believable to me and it's and because it's believable to you but if you're saying you're going to work out four times a week because you're aspiring to be your perfect self and you're aspiring to do the thing that your perfect self would do then that's never going to work out okay and you can tell how this uh if this is going on for you because your thoughts are filled with very fantastical feeling thoughts and i know this is called the creating your fantastical life podcast right? And it's creating a fantastical life, like a fantastic, almost like dreamy life. But this does not mean that there's fantastical thinking going on. Your thinking is very realistic, very critical, very like critical in a good way, like rational um, and going outside the realms of possibility because you believe that it's possible for you. Truly fantastical thinking, on the other hand, are like the whole you're saying things exist and that you, you don't believe in them at all. Right, it really comes into tuning into yourself and knowing what is helpful for you, like what is a productive, helpful, and believable thought for you. And if your thoughts are not even believable, then your actions are not going to be able to um, measure up and like hold up this lie. Another way that this shows up um, is tomorrow thinking. So like, okay, so New Year's goals is a great example of tomorrow thinking because it's New Year's. Now is your chance to be perfect. So I'm going to continue not doing it now. And when New Year's comes, then I'll get to go, right? Then I will be good and I will be perfect and I will be able to create this or, or, or um, you know, execute this super aspirational, elaborate plan and I'll be good. So for example, again, with weight loss, it'd be like, oh, you can like finally start your diet and go to the gym four times a week and then start meditating and all these things, right? If you're, you know, have a spiritual goal, it could be like meditation every single day. And right now, maybe you're meditating once a month if you're lucky. Uh, it could be, you know, for a financial goal, uh, finally, like starting your side hustle. And uh, I hate that term side hustle, but you know, starting your own business or, um, you know, finally putting yourself out there on Instagram and telling people what you do or quitting your job or, uh, you know, whatever it is that um, can help you with your financial goal, like waiting until New Year's to do that. If it's a relationship thing, uh, you know, starting to date or stopping to date or, you know, loving yourself more, taking better care of yourself. Self-care goals are so like tricky or not tricky. Self-care goals are some of the best goals, in my opinion, that you can have, but it also like frustrates me so much because when people set self-care goals, they so rarely follow through on it because they don't like there's that underlying like not worthy enough and not prioritizing themselves because other shit comes up that they think is more important or more pertinent to their life. And so, yeah, it's like perfect for tomorrow thinking like oh I didn't go to bed uh, on time today but tomorrow I will or you know this past month I haven't been going to the gym or like eating well because you know my boss needed this and work was requiring me of this and my parents needed this and my family blah blah, blah this and my partner did blah this like it's all this all these excuses that come up that is really just a version of like I didn't have time because I wasn't committed to myself 
right so then new year's comes along and it's like hey dangling this like perfect ideal version of yourself in front of your face and it's like it lives in the in tomorrowland and obviously tomorrowland doesn't actually happen so this also harms you in a lot of ways because depending on what your goal is you might you know act very strongly in the way that you don't want to right before you're supposed to quote unquote be perfect like gorging yourself on pizza and ice cream before you start your diet or going on a shopping spree before you start your savings goal um or you know something like that so what is the solution to perfectionist fantasy well the solution is something called minimal baseline goals and this is Kara's words of minimum baseline goals I like to call them like little wins that's what I've been teaching for the last few years before I found out about this but I like this idea of minimum baseline goals as well so whatever term works best for you so a minimum baseline goal is the smallest almost laughable like goal that you can have for yourself that makes you feel like of course you can do this and it's already good as done all right so um, it's something that you can truly, truly commit to, and once you have been able to quote-unquote perfect it, as in like you've proven to yourself that you have been able to achieve this goal time over time consistently for like at least a month, and you know my personal training brain here with knowledge of how uh, habits are created, I would say three months, so 66 days, really, or like two months, like 66 days to create a habit. Um, if you've been able to do this one thing of, for example, going to the gym once a week, or maybe it's um, going to a work, like group fitness class once a week or twice a week, whatever feels that realistic and is like so, so, so easy for you to ingrain into your habits, like of course you can go once a week, of course you can go once a month, whatever that is. It's like doing that for 66 days until it becomes a habit and then being able to reassess where you're at, how you feel, and if you are willing and able to commit to a second day, right? Or adding on another thing. And then if you actually like did this, let's just say you were on point and were doing this like one little habit every single month, then by the end of the year, you would have 12 little habits, right? And if you went with this idea of really honing in on 66 days or like two months or even three months on one task, on like one commitment, then you would have like four to six new goals like or new new habits by the end of the year. And like they will be solid. They are not like trying to do 12 new things all at once at the beginning of the year and then like flailing your arms and then feeling overwhelmed and not being able to do it and follow through. You will be solid in those habits. So my version of like that is the little wins and I have my clients like fill out this chart or I did have for a while, but we talk about little wins a lot, right? Something that we celebrate every single time we get on the call. The first thing is like, what do you want to celebrate today? Right. And what are your wins? And then what are the challenges for you? And you can actually create a chart. I have this like written out and it is a almost like a habit tracker of little wins. And you literally start with like one or two things it's super, super small too. And it's super achievable, like setting yourself up for success of journaling or doing your affirmations, uh, or, you know, intentional thought practice, like your models. Um, perhaps it is to make your bed or to take like 60 seconds, like literally put a timer on for 60 seconds to just breathe before you do your work. Right. And be able to track that throughout um, the time that we work together. 
And it's really important to celebrate every single time you do that and to reassess it. So it's a little bit more analytical where you would write your habit that you want to create or write this like thing that you want to do. And then you are going to just at first take a guess of how often you want to do this, right? So what you're going to commit to. And you're not stuck to it in the sense of, you know, the first month you're probably just seeing like what you can keep up with. So if you say like, ideally, I want to do this three times a week, but maybe I can only commit to two times. I'm going to set it for the minimum of two. And then over like this week, like maybe you've done three, right? So then you would write three at the end and maybe two weeks goes by or three weeks goes by and you've been at three consistently or three or four. So now you can set your minimum for three, right? Um, and you can go from there. Uh, inversely, if you set your goal for three and you've really only been doing one, then you can reassess and be like, okay, I'm going to just do one, right? That's going to be your minimum baseline. So it's more of a trial error process, but it's um, something that you can actually track and see how you're doing. Okay, so let's go on to number three. The third thing that you could be doing that's sneakily sabotaging your goals is the DIY slash free forever method. I want to preface this by saying that both of these are not inherently bad, but they are ways that you are sneakily sabotaging yourself. Okay, and I will explain why. So first, let's define what they are. The DIY method comes from believing that you should be able to like figure it out yourself. And if you hire someone, then you're less capable or not as smart or something is wrong with you. And this is not true at all. So the DIY method is literally just like doing everything yourself, um, whether that is a personal transformation, your mental health, your physical health, uh, room renovation, like anything that you want to change and improve in your life, you want to do it yourself. And this is, I think, a big leading cause of failure because um, oftentimes this does not come from resourcefulness. This comes from ego and it comes from fear of failure. So when you believe that you should be able to figure it out yourself, right, or that you can just like do it all yourself and you don't need anybody else, that is like your ego speaking. And that is like a fear of not being adequate, especially if you have a lot of insecurities around self-worth and confidence and who you are. Um, being able to even like admit that you can't possibly know everything and that you have blind spots can be very difficult for you. So if you're only ever doing things like by yourself, thinking that you should just like do it yourself and hiring somebody is a negative thing, um, you are in fact like false. <laughs> this is a lie. Like you would save so much more time and energy and money like down the road if you just hired somebody to help you develop a good foundation so that you can actually learn how to do something right the first time around and then have support from the beginning so you're more likely to follow through and less likely to stop when things get hard. And I am very passionate about this, especially when it comes to personal development, whether that is like in your physical health or your mental health or your spiritual health, just having like a guide for you um, is so invaluable because you don't know what you don't know and when you only take action from trying to figure out things like the way that you think you should like um with my client who is googling and youtubing and reading books right it's like you don't know what you don't know but the way that you try to find out those things that you don't know are not necessarily the most effective and the only way you would know that is if you were to be able to converse with somebody right have a guide with you 
and why it's also important to do this like when you find that you have a problem that you want to solve or some challenge has come up for you and you you know it's a big thing like you don't want you don't want to do it with by yourself um it saves you so much energy emotional and spiritual energy and sometimes physical energy too if you have somebody who can guide you through a process that works and build a strong foundation the way that i think about this is like in personal training i would have clients who came in who you know were a lot of i had a lot of beginners and i was so excited for all of them because they were doing it so that they wouldn't injure themselves right when you work with a professional you're literally preventing injury um when you can have somebody spot you point out like techniques and um you know explain concepts in ways that broaden your own knowledge for your own safety and your own well-being and your own resourcefulness then you're able to like go and do the workouts yourself then you're able to you know go from three times a week to one times a week and then you know be good on your like by yourself when you go to the gym without hurting yourself with knowing the knowledge of what exactly you should be doing for yourself um and when it comes to things like mental health it's very similar where if you're trying to do it yourself of changing your thoughts and reprogramming your brain, you're going to be maxed out on your own ability to do that. If you keep trying to do it yourself and like have better mental health especially, like oftentimes it does not actually get any better. In fact, a lot of times I've seen this lead to more failure than anything and more, you know, um, sadness and giving up um, because like you aren't able to do it yourself and and the goal of being able to have better mental health and to have a better relationship with yourself, you know, practice more self-care is so focused on like the doing and the actions and it hinges on your own worthiness that it it has like a triple whammy like downfall if, if you don't do it. So you have this goal, right? You want to do it yourself. You um, are doing it from a place where it is like unless you do it you are a piece of shit and you're not worthy and see I told you so like and when you don't do it there's like the self-shaming and then you're less likely to be able to do it again and succeed and you don't know like how else to go about it and then you like swear off the whole thing of personal development because and like good mental health because you think it's unrealistic and it's never going to happen for you and you know you've already tried and you failed so obviously it doesn't work like that's what ends up happening to people and it breaks my heart because it doesn't have to be like that and it's like for me as a coach the way that i have to think about it is you can only help people who want to be helped right and most people don't want help most people want to do themselves and it's like okay put down your ego put down like the priorities of um, money or time or whatever into doing xyz and really look at what is going to be impactful for you and the way that your mind works and talks to yourself um, and your way of thinking is going to impact literally every single decision that you make your entire life it's going to color your entire worldview and your own self-concept like why would you not want to work with a professional to make sure that you have a good foundation whatever that means to you
Okay, this kind of brings me to my next point of free forever method. The free forever method is a little bit different where most people who are like this um, are typically like kind of sensitive to money and are afraid to lose money, are really skeptical and are afraid of being taken advantage of or feel like they need to quote unquote get their money's worth. Um, I was like this for a really long time. My mom was like this, right? Like I have immigrant parents. It's kind of ingrained in you. It's also ingrained in a lot of people in society. So like, again, there's nothing inherently bad about these things. There's nothing inherently bad about wanting to like just do the free plan or you know just do it yourself and like save some money or anything like that but it's about why and is it sabotaging you and how it's sabotaging you sneakily because it's not genuinely coming from a place of believing that your transformation is valuable so people who are doing on like this free forever method is like if they want to create something in their lives they expend all their resources on trying to do it themselves and doing it for free so only looking at like free podcasts and free like youtube videos free google searches free like maybe maybe buy a book right? Maybe. Um, but only trying to use all the free tools, like all the free courses and everything like that. And because they need to get their money's worth, like if there is an investment made, then um, that it's because they believe that this thing that they are investing in will change their lives inherently by investing in it. Like, this is not you're investing in it and then you are showing up and doing the work because you're doing it from a place of this is for you and the way that you're going to get your investments worth is actually by showing up. This is like the get your money's worth of you pay someone to do something and like that's why, right? That's that's why you think it's going to work is because you're paying them to do something for you. Like you don't have to actually put in the effort. So when you're doing this DIY slash free forever method, you're so highly valuing having money that you're willing to trade the intangible value of time and energy in order to save this like in your mind, like highly valuable and scarce resource of money. You get so stuck in losing money that you don't see it as a trading coin in getting something even more valuable that you truly want and will genuinely improve your life. I like to use the example of my mom with this because growing up, we would literally drive like 20 to 25 minutes to a specific gas station that was like five-ish cents less than most other gas stations around us to save on gas money. Literally driving, I don't know, maybe like 10, 12 miles, like 20 to 25 minutes worth to save five cents per gallon on gas. Now, if you actually like look at it, the amount of gas that you're using to go there and come back and the amount of time that you are using to go to that gas station and come back uh, is outpaces the amount of money that you would actually save, right? And we would tell, like my sister and I, we would tell her this all the freaking time and it did not matter. Like... This is what people are doing essentially when you do the DIY and free forever method. You are taking such a long route to try to get to somewhere where you want to go and it might make you feel good for you. But if you actually look at the big picture of things, you're losing. And it's because you have this attachment to this one resource, right? It's like you have all these resources in your pocket and it's like you're um, emotional well-being, your physical well-being, your time, your energy, like physical energy and emotional energy, 
right? And you're choosing money as the the most important one when it's not because it is renewable. You can make more money. Like it is not as scarce as people think and you don't have to like hold and hoard onto it and like very like stingily give it out to yourself. And I think another thing that adds to this is people don't attribute a dollar value amount to things like lowering your stress levels to your body image and having a positive body image and negative self-talk versus positive self-talk, right? There's no dollar amount attributed to things like that, um, including like your quality of relationships or your self-confidence. And it's challenging for a lot of people to see them as something that you would put your money towards, even though they're experiencing all the negative effects of them now, right? Even though you're experiencing all the negative effects of them, because there's no dollar value on like, you know, self-confidence and positive self-talk and having a good quality relationship and having these specific tools to lower your stress levels, it's easy to feel like you're not actually gaining very much if you're stuck in this, like, this is what you know and this is just how it always has been and it's not costing you anything because this is just how it is. Uh, When you look at the big picture of things and when you talk to somebody who can hold that belief of, like, a better life for you, they can see how much you would actually gain and until you can also see that possibility of what can what can be created for you and believe that that is valuable and believe that it is achievable and actually inevitable if you follow like a process or ask for help and do something and invest in yourself you're going to stay in the same loop that you always have been and i also believe that people do inherently understand that there is more possible for them because people are setting goals all the time and this higher version of you like the way i see it is that this higher version of you is trying to attain this this goal for yourself of being super happy being successful and it, and you are receiving this message but it feels so ambiguous and in order to entertain it and entertain all the possibilities of how you can get it it requires you to go outside of your comfort zone And so you convince yourself, like subconsciously, that it's not worth it and it's just a dream because it feels so ambiguous and trying to attain it feels so difficult or impossible or uh, unrealistic that it just isn't worth the current, like very real scary risk of like losing money. And if you're like into the DIY method, you might even think that it's never going to happen or so it would have already happened by now because you have been working on this like DIY method, right? So all this being said, right, the DIY method and free forever method gets you stuck in this loop of setting a goal, trying to do it just yourself and only using free resources, not fully knowing how to make these resources actually work for you, not achieving your goal, feeling like shit, and then proving to yourself that it's not worth investing more money into it because if you can't just use the free stuff, then like what makes you think paying for it would ever make you change? Or like you've tried it and it doesn't work, so might as well give up. Like you've already proven to yourself that it doesn't work. You've already set yourself up for failure and you're sabotaging yourself. So the solution to this is to get curious and coach your brain on your relationship with money. Now, I could easily say like the solution to this is just hire somebody and like get over yourself and like literally look at what is possible for you and be willing to like take that risk. But I think the deeper thing to that is that feeling of safety and security in yourself needs to come from you and understanding like where you're making decisions from and being able to make those decisions cleanly from your higher self instead of from your current like unmanaged mind where 
money is so valuable. So that's why I'm giving you the coaching of like get curious and coach your brain on your relationship with money. Asking yourself, what are your current beliefs about money and where did you learn that from? Do you still believe that now? Is that helpful for you to believe? Why are you choosing to continue to believe that? And um, do you want to change it? So like, for example, money doesn't grow on trees, right? You have to save money. Spending money is bad. Going into debt is bad. Only spend money on things you really, really, really need and you don't know and you don't need this thing you want, right? Your time is free. Your labor is free. These are all beliefs that maybe have been ingrained in you. And I say this from personal experience too, because I was also like had these beliefs ingrained in me by parents and society, like money doesn't grow on trees, right? So if money doesn't grow on trees, like what does that mean about you and, and your relationship with money now? Like, it's always going to be scarce, right? You're always going to have to be hustling to get it. You have to get more and you have to hold on to it, right? If you if you think spending money is a bad thing or, you know, something spending money on the thing you want versus the thing that you think you need or if you don't need it and spending money on it, that's like a bad thing and that's being irresponsible, right? Like, where did you learn that from? And do you still want to believe that? Do you want to believe that, investing in the things that you want is a bad thing do you want to believe that spending money is like only from like pain and like bills and you know you have to like fork over your money like do you feel like you're forking over money like begrudgedly when you pay for things like bills and taxes and um i don't know things that you you like quote unquote need like when you buy food are you like feeling like you're forking it over or do you actually want to believe something different like no, it's okay to spend money on things you want and it can be a joy to spend money and it can be um, exciting and, you know, grateful and fueling for you to even pay things like taxes and bills and, and, and stuff like that. Like it doesn't have to feel like an obligation and that you have to do it and someone's pulling your leg to do it and forcing you to do it. Like it can feel very freeing. And especially questioning, like, how much is your time worth and how much is your labor worth? Like how much is that emotional labor um, or that time it takes for you to figure things out, uh, try to figure things out, put in some effort, and then maybe failing. Um, like, what is that actually worth to you? Why is that, like, worth more? Why Or why is that worth less than money? So everyone, just like as a recap, the three sneaky ways that you're sabotaging your goals is waiting for motivation, perfectionist fantasy, and never being able to be a 10 out of 10, and the DIY and free forever method. And the solutions to these three things is to be able to focus on being committed, tuning into the thoughts that create that feeling of commitment to you and what it means. Um, Also being able to set minimum baseline goals and change your scale of relativity to uh, who you are wanting to become, as well as getting curious and coaching yourself through your relationship with money. So friends, if you have been struggling to find and keep up with motivation, if you're tired of watching your goals slip through your fingers, you need to join my six month to freedom program. This one-on-one container is super powerful and has a very clear and simple formula for success that works every single time in getting you exactly where you need to be. If becoming the type of person that never has to set New Year's goals again is intriguing to you, if becoming the type of person that can really effortlessly create change anytime you want, then book a consultation. It's 45 minutes completely free with no strings attached. I promise you, you'll be so amazed with the results and clarity you get just from the consultation process where I show you where you are now, where you want to be, and why you're not there already, and how to get there. 
that it's going to be an effortless decision for you to know if working together is right for you or not. You can go ahead and sign up on jensui.com, that's J-E-N-C-U-I.com, or you can go to my Instagram link in my bio or book now button at Coaching, or you can even go down into the show notes where it will be linked below to book your consultation. I look forward to talking to you and working with you, hopefully, if this is right for you, um, and until next time, stay well. Thank you.